0: There are tears sown among the wheat. There is no deception so well hidden in plain sight than the agenda of the troglodyte. They aim to erase human dominion of the earth and claim it for their own abuse.
1: What's up, guys? Welcome back to another Dadcast. I'm your host, Timon, and with my dad, this is our podcast. My dad was talking a little bit earlier. Say hello to the people. How you doing? I don't need to get to this. You're going to do this now? Why not? Okay. Uh, uh, drinking, our, drinking our Bud okay. Lights. Trying to do. <laughs> so, my dad was talking a little bit. Just this right- is not
0: Bud Light. Uh, it is. It will not pass my lips anymore. Okay.
1: Not even touch the bottle.
0: going um, to touch the can. Powder. Powder day IPA.
1: Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, sorry. I cut you off. You're there. talking right before this podcast and uh, I'm like, dude, we need to get this on the podcast. It's like, stop, stop talking. Yeah. Stop talking. Save it for the podcast.
0: Can you believe a son would say that to his dad? Stop talking. I know. No, he wasn't. He wasn't disrespectful. No, I was trying to capture the moment.
1: Yeah. It was <laughs> I don't like, know if
0: we can get back to that moment. No, now. we totally
1: can't. So okay. <laughs> guys, my dad has a sermon we talked about on the last dad right? Really solid. Uh, you preached it last week. Two weeks was ago? It a week ago I don't know time flies we yeah I know fun. it's been so busy and um so we released so you have it recorded which we're gonna let you guys listen to it's about to happen we're gonna talk a little bit afterwards about some stuff but I wanted you to talk about you got this information from not from other people this was just literally almost like given to you so tell me yeah. again what you were saying just a little bit ago so so
0: uh Kyle asked me to Bless Kyle because he knows I need four to six weeks to prep. Yeah. Okay, so. And uh, once again, he goes, well, it'll probably be uh, John chapter 18 or 19. I'm like, I want to do the Old Testament, you know. He's like, no, that's what we're doing, so I'm okay. Yeah. And, of course, I dig into it. I'm like, this oh, this is good. Oh, yeah. But, yeah, um, so I, I was studying the chapter myself. It's on the crucifixion, which is not a real fun thing to, to study. But, um, I just, of who What are you talking about? Jesus. All right. <laughs> and so, uh, I, you know, I thought, well, I want to also hear what other people are, are preaching about. And, and I just kept running into stuff where they, I mean, they do a good job, but it's all about, well, h- how the cross was really gruesome and it was, and the medical stuff that's happening to Jesus and all that, you know, and, and that, and, and I'm like, I, no, 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 no. I don't want to go that route. I don't want to, get into all this technical stuff and I'm like, wait a minute, what was happening in the spiritual realm at the same time that the earthly event of the crucifixion is happening? And then I just, I just got blown away. Boom, boom. One thing after another. Yeah. And I I have to type stuff and then go back and reorient it because I get too much information. Like I have to just type, 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 type. And then I go back and try to make it. Understandable, mm. so
1: wow, yeah, no, it's it's interesting because um, you did both what's happening in spiritual, then also culturally the context of what's going on there too. So it was like three layers. It's like the event what's yeah. happening spiritually that coincides with it, and you talk a little bit about the cultural significance of this event too, which plays yeah. a huge part of everything too. Yeah, um, it wasn't about the medical. It wasn't about the. Uh, sometimes we get way too into the grains of stuff. You yeah. Forget that it's an actual story. Yeah. You know. Yeah.
0: There's. Yeah. There's stuff going. Yeah. And. Yeah. And uh, so it, the the sermon is like two two parts. Like the first part, I go through the text because I want to read all of chapter nineteen. Yeah. And uh, and I didn't want to comment on that too. Much. I have comments, but not a whole lot. And mm-hmm. then after I read the chapter, then I go into what's happening in the second and third heaven realm. Mm-hmm.
1: So, I love that. So well, I appreciate yeah. it because when I was sitting as I do when I get into church. I sit there and you're starting your sermon, and I was just like, man, I hope he reads the whole thing and then explains it. So I was hoping. Oh, really? Did it? Yeah, yeah oh, I literally cool. was like, because you started out, and I think people are getting settled in. So the first couple lines that you said in your sermon, I didn't really capture, it. and I thought you're just kind of talk. What you're doing was setting up the backstory. You know, normally there's not that many people, and it swells to a million at this time or a hundred. I don't know how many. Mm-hmm. Normally, there's only like a couple thousand or tens of thousands. Mm-hmm. So there's a ton of people. All this stuff's happening. So you're, giving the, you're setting the scene. I wasn't paying attention. I was like, oh, is he going to kind of talk or is he going to give us that? And then you went, boom, right into it. It was so solid. So Cool. I got a lot from it. But I think the people need to hear their sermon first. And then let's kind of break down some of the deep, deeper okay. stuff um, afterwards, if that works.
0: That works for me. Cool. It's your podcast. I'll do what you tell me to do. Uh, you, that's right. <laughs> drink your bud light.
1: Okay, guys, (laughs) catch you on the other side.
0: Uh, the crucifixion is not the easiest thing to talk about, (laughs) but we're going to do it. I liked last week. Um, pastor Kyle was, uh, saying that Jesus was not a victim and that's, that is also my, my view that Jesus is not a victim. Um, I mean, the the crucifixion wasn't an easy thing to go through, but he was not a victim, so I'm taking that approach today. All right. I always like to give notes so that uh, you can mull over them later. Uh, For those of you who are new, I will be covering themes from past sermons that may be unfamiliar, because there's, there's new people here, uh, like the three realms of heaven or the multiple compartments of Sheol. So please see me later if, you're, if it's confusing, because um, that's not often talked about. Okay, so let's talk about what's happening at the, pa- the Passover feast that's going on during the crucifixion. Okay, let's set the scene here. Before all the feasts begin, the religious elites plot to kill Jesus. During the festival, the population of Jerusalem swelled from its normal 100,000 to over a million and there's controversy over those numbers, so I wasn't there. Let's just say a lot of people were there, okay? So the scheme of the religious leaders had to be carried out sometime after the Spring Feast, or after the Passover, in order to avoid offending the crowds and not create a riot. That's in Matthew 26. For the past 14 centuries, Passover was a remembering of the release of the nations of Israel from their bondage to Egypt. Now, it will become the prophetic fulfillment of God's long-awaited plan of redemption. On the beginning of Nisan 14, so that's the Jewish month, Nisan. Remember, the Jewish day starts at 6 p.m., so that's hard for us because we think differently. Uh, Jesus eats the Passover with his disciples. Now, Exodus 12, 6 talks about the Passover being celebrated between the Eves. So Passover can be celebrated one evening and then the next evening you can still be pass, doing Passover before 6 p.m., so it's hard for us to think that way. Um, Jesus will be crucified before the next sundown, which is... now. Oh, yeah. Jesus will be crucified before the next sundown, which is still on Nisan 14, the Passover. Thus, he eats past the Passover meal at the beginning of the eve of Passover with his disciples, and then later that day becomes the Passover lamb, at uh, 3 p.m. So often we're like, how could he have the Passover and then be the Passover lamb? Well, he's having Passover with, with his disciples at the beginning of the day, which is 6 p.m. And then all through that night, he goes through trials and then he's crucified still on Passover. So that helps. At the Passover meal, Jesus reveals Jesus reveals the plot to betray him, which exposes Judas earlier than or the religious leaders had planned. So remember, they were planning to crucify Jesus after or get rid of him after the feast while Jesus exposes it at the Passover meal. So he, he lays out what's going on. So Judas has to act quickly. Okay. So Judas must act soon. Satan enters Judas and Jesus releases him to implement the plot. So it is actually Jesus who forces their strategy to unfold during the Passover festival, not afterward as planned by the Jews. Although it is sinful men who become the executioners, it is Jesus who remains in control. Even though the fallen realm believes they have the upper hand, Jesus is not a victim. He is king. After the meal, Jesus retreats to the Garden of Gethsemane to pray. A crowd led by Judas surrounds Jesus, and after the Judas' kiss, they fall backward from the power that emanates from his being. Jesus allows them to arrest him. All through the night and into the next morning, he endures illegal and unjust trials before Annas, Caiaphas, the Sanhedrin, Pilate, Herod, and then back to Pilate. Once Judas hears of the sentence cast by the Sanhedrin, he hangs himself. And this is where chapter 19 picks up. So I'm going to read through the text and give you a little bit of um, side notes. And then I'm going to go over the text again, not, not reading it, but kind of give you a different view. So, And this is from the uh, NET Bible. Then Pilate took Jesus and had him flogged severely. The soldiers braided a crown of thorns and put it on his head, and they clothed him in a purple robe. They came up to him again and again and said, Hail, King of the Jews! And they struck him repeatedly in the face. Again, Pilate went out and said to the Jewish leaders, Look, I'm bringing him out to you so that you may know that I find no reason for an accusation against him. So Jesus came outside, wearing the crown of thorns and the purple robe. Pilate said to them, Look, here is the man. When the chief priests and the officers saw him, they shouted out, Crucify him, crucify him. Pilate said. You take him and crucify him. Certainly, I find no reason for an accusation against him. The Jewish leaders replied, We have a law, and according to that law, he ought to die because he claimed to be the son of God. A little side note, the Jewish leaders had charged Jesus with blasphemy, a violation of Leviticus twenty four sixteen, They had the authority to execute those who rebelled against their laws by stoning them. They had certainly no problem stoning Stephen, if you remember, but involving the Roman authority would make the execution extremely torturous. And the onus of the death of Jesus, so they thought, would fall on Rome rather than them. <laughs> yeah why would they want to pass the buck like that? Wow, why would they want to pass the buck, yeah when Pilate heard what they said he was more what, he, what they said he was more afraid because you know, Pilate is a he believes in gods he doesn't believe in the God but he believes in gods uh, and he went back into the governor's residence and said to Jesus where do you come from? but Jesus gave him no answer So Pilate said, do you refuse to speak to me? Don't you know I have the authority to release you and to crucify you? Jesus replied, you would have no authority over me at all unless it was given to you from above. Therefore, the one who handed me over to you is guilty of greater sin. So Pilate is still on the hook, but Listen to this, Judas handed Jesus over to the priest, but it is Caiaphas, the high priest, who handed Jesus over to Rome. Therefore, he is guilty of the greater sin. He was entrusted by God to be the shepherd of Israel, Caiaphas was. He condemned his own Messiah. From this point on, Pilate tried to release him, but the Jewish leaders shouted out, If you release this man, you are no friend of Caesar. Everyone who claims to be a king opposes Caesar." I bet it sounded like a bunch of snakes hissing. When Pilate heard these words, he brought Jesus outside and sat down on the judgment seat in the place called the Stone Pavement, Gabbatha in Aramaic. Now is the day of preparation for the Passover about noon. And Pilate said to the Jewish leaders, look, here is your king. And a little note there, preparation, preparation day is usually Friday, the day before the regular Sabbath, but here it seems that the preparation day is Thursday. Um, they're preparing for unleavened bread, which is the next day. <laughs> An extra high Sabbath, exactly. Then they shouted, away with him, away with him, crucify him, crucify him. Pilate asked, Shall I crucify your king? The high priest replied, We have no king except Caesar. That's blasphemy. This is the point where they reject God as their king. Then Pilate handed him over to be crucified. They took Jesus and carrying his own cross, he went out to the place called the place of the skull in Aramaic Golgotha. We're going to cover that later. There they crucified him along with two others, one on each side with Jesus in the middle. Pilate had also written a note and fastened it fastened to the cross, which read, Jesus the Nazarene, the King of the Jews. Thus, many of the Jewish residents of Jerusalem read this notice because the place where Jesus was crucified was near the city, and the notice was written in Aramaic, Latin, and Greek. Then the chief priests of the Jews said to Pilate, do not write the king of the Jews, but rather this man said, I am the king of the Jews. And Pilate answered, what I have written, I have written. So Pilate seems to have written it. There's some indication that he actually wrote the sign himself. The inscription was actually true of Jesus. He was the king, right? Even though his own people rejected him. But it was also Pilate's direct mockery of the Jewish leaders for coercing the execution of a man that he deemed innocent. He's still not off the hook, but, Now, when the soldiers crucified Jesus, they took his clothes and made four shares, one for each soldier, and the tunic remained. Now, the tunic was seamless, woven from top to bottom as a single piece. So the soldiers said to one another, let's not tear it, but let's throw dice over it, see who will get it. This took place to fill, fulfill the scriptures that sa- says, they divided my garments among them, and for my clothing they threw dice. That's Psalm twenty-two, eighteen. The soldiers did these things because they were fulfilling prophecy. Now, standing beside Jesus' cross, were his mother, his mother's sister, Mary, the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene. And John is also there, so. So when Jesus saw his mother and the disciple whom he loved, that's John, standing there, he said to his mother, woman, now that's, a science, that's, a, that's affectionate, he doesn't say one, he's, you know, okay. Woman, look, here is your son. And then he said to the disciple, here is your mother. From that very time, the disciple took her into his own home. So I I make this note here. Despite the agony of the crucifixion, Jesus transfers the care of his widowed mother to John. Perhaps, I don't know, but perhaps as an admonishment to his own brothers. John was the only male at the cross who was unafraid of the risk of associating with Jesus. After this, Jesus, realizing that his time, realizing that by this time everything was completed, he said in order to fill scripture, I am thirsty. A jar full of sour wine was there, so they put a sponge soaked in sour wine on a branch of hyssop and lifted it to his mouth. When he had received the sour wine, Jesus said, it is completed, then he bowed, he said it was completed. He bowed his head and gave up his spirit. Notice nobody, nobody killed him, he decided. At this point, the 2,000-pound curtain in the temple was torn top to bottom, not possible for a human to do, and the earth shook, Matthew 27, 51 and 52. Then, because it was a day of preparation so that the body should not stay on the cross on the Sabbath, for that Sabbath was an especially important one. The Jewish leaders asked Pilate to have the victim's legs broken and the bodies taken down." And um, many of you probably know this, that if if they had a big club, they would break their legs, then they could no longer push up to get a breath, so they suffocated. That's pretty brutal. Um, Deuteronomy, by the way, Deuteronomy 21, warned that the land would be defiled by leaving a dead body hanging on a tree overnight. So uh, that's why the leaders wanted the, quote, criminals dead and buried before nightfall. How, How convenient to honor God's law. So the soldiers came and broke the legs of the two men who had been crucified with Jesus, first the one and then the other. But when they came to Jesus and saw that he was already dead, they did not break his legs. But one of the soldiers pierced his side with a spear, and blood and water flowed out immediately. And the person who saw this, saw it, testified. And his testimony is true, and he knows that he is telling the truth. This is John. So that you also may believe. For these things happen so that the scripture would be fulfilled. Not a bone will be broken. That's in Exodus twelve forty six. And again, another scripture says, they will look on the one whom they have pierced, Zechariah 12. After this, Joseph of Arimathea, a disciple of Jesus, but secretly because he feared the Jewish leaders, asked Pilate if he could remove the body of Jesus. Pilate gave him permission so that he went and took the body away. Nicodemus, the man who had previously come to Jesus at night, Accompanied Joseph carrying a mixture of myrrh and aloes weighing about 75 pounds Then they took Jesus body and wrapped it With the aromatic spices in strips of linen cloth according to the Jewish burial customs Now at the place where Jesus was crucified there was a garden and in the garden was a new tomb where no had no one had been buried yet and so because it was the Jewish day of preparation and the tomb was nearby, they placed Jesus' body there." And may I say that Joseph of Arimathea took his life in his hands by, by uh, giving Jesus a proper, proper burial because, um, you know, Pilate could kill anybody he wanted, <laughs> and the Sanhedrin wouldn't be happy with Joseph of Arimathea as well, so he was, he was, he's pretty brave. Okay, so, let's go over this whole thing again. The Unseen War. We have just covered what happened historically in the earthly realms of Rome and Israel during the crucifixion. Now, we must circle back through this event and unwrap the clash occurring in the realms outside of our own earthly reality. There is a major war happening in the heavens. The Jewish authorities had long been compromised and corrupted by unrighteous entities. Likewise, Rome was beholden to these fallen entities. So, both Jewish and Roman governments were in direct opposition to the kingdom of God. Therefore, there were at least four realms at war at the cross. Compromised Jewish elites, pagan Roman rulers, unrighteous celestial beings from the fallen realm and God's righteous celestial realm. And as a side note, just so you know, I'm not anti-Semitic. Both Rome and Israel, both Jews and non-Jews were complicit, so we all stand condemned, okay? At the end of chapter 18, there's this vignette that sets the scene for chapter 19. Pilate went back outside to the Jews and told them, I find no guilt in him, but you have a custom that I should release one man for you at the Passover. So do you want me to release the king of the Jews? They cried out again, not this man, but Barabbas. Now Barabbas was a robber. Okay, if you want to, you can just, I'll read this to you. If you just want to look at the pictures and kind of get the scene or you can read along. It's okay either way. Okay, so I want you to get this in your imagination. Jesus, the righteous Messiah, standing silent as unfounded curses are hurled at him. Pontius Pilate, the Roman prefect of Judea, perplexed with his situation. This He sees no crime in Jesus, but he must protect his powerful government position. He must keep things quiet in Jerusalem, so he is about to give in to the shedding of innocent blood. The crowds. Caught and confused about the uproar, many are probably neutral or unsure of their opinion of Jesus of Nazareth. Others believe in him but remain silent for fear of reprisal from the authorities. Some hate him because he threatens their traditions and their positions of power. The soldiers, tired of dealing with Jewish dissidents and what they perceive as arrogant moral superiority from the Jewish culture, they could care less about the execution of another Jewish criminal. The Pharisees and Sadducees, Israel's Jewish religious mafia, filled not with the Holy Spirit but with the blasphemies of the fallen realm, determined to thwart the kingdom of God from replacing their own dominion. Barabbas, a robber, probably a zealot, and a murdering insurrectionist, confused and surprised that he would be released. Picture yourself in this scene. Who would you be? I'll tell you who I am. I'm Barabbas. It should have been me on that cross, but I got—I wiggled out of it. However, my death wouldn't save me or anybody else in this room. So praise God, it was Jesus. Not that, I, that he had, I'm not glad he had to go through that, but it should have been me there, but Jesus was there for me and you. Launching the execution. Pilate sits on the judgment seat and declares Jesus innocent. But the leaders prompt the crowd to demand the release of Barabbas and the execution of Jesus. It is at this point that Israel's national leadership rejects God as their king when they swear allegiance to Caesar. And then they commit themselves and their generations to the punishment of innocent blood When they say, Let his blood be on us and our children. Matthew 27, 25. This releases a curse upon the nation. Numbers 35, 33 says, You shall not pollute the land in which you live, for blood, and I would add innocent blood, pollutes the land. And no no atonement can be made for the land, for the blood that is shed in it, except by the blood of the one who shed it. In effect... These leaders, they commit themselves and future generations to a debt that cannot be paid, the murder of their own saving king. But let's think even deeper about this event. Who planned the crucifixion? In our earthly realm, it was the Jewish leaders using Rome as its executioner. In the second heaven realm, it was manipulated by fallen entities who inhabited the religious and government authorities. However, in the third heaven realm, which is God's throne, the cross was planned before the creation of the earth, Revelation 13:8. God forknew that sinful men would cooperate with fallen angels to kill the Messiah. God used their evil schemes to outmaneuver them and bring about his perfect plan the place of the execution. Jesus is executed at Golgotha, the place of the skull. Why is it called by this name? The name Golgotha may come from the phrase Goliath of Gath. After defeating Goliath, David brought the head of the hybrid giant back to the outskirts of Jerusalem and most likely displayed it on a spear as a trophy on the highest point of Mount Moriah. It was outside the gates of the Jebusite city of Jerusalem. And that's in 1 Samuel 17, 53, 54. David did this as if to say, your city is next. This would have humiliated the Jebusites as well as the fallen realm. And eventually David did conquer that city and made it his capital. Ten centuries later, Jesus is executed outside the city gates of Jerusalem at the place of the skull, Goliath's skull." So, the crucifixion excited the arrogance and retribution of the fiends of Sheol. Imagine their delight. At last, by taking out Jesus, they were avenging the execution of Goliath, one of their own sons. Better yet, they thought they were extinguishing the life of the original Lamb of God of the first Passover, some 1,400 years earlier. They thought they were winning, The so wait till you hear what's next. Jesus enters Sheol. Darkness covers the land from the sixth hour until the ninth, that's noon, until three. Is this the smoke of a cosmic war or the opening of the portals of Hades longing to swallow up the Son of God? Is it the same darkness that covered Egypt at the first Passover, or is it the shadow of the angel of death? I cannot be sure. However, I do know that Jesus is still in charge. He chose when it was time to release his spirit, John 1930 and Matthew 2750. Now this is my speculation, but I think that the life force and energy exuding from Jesus is so powerful at his death that it literally exploded in our realm in the form of an earthquake. He enters Sheol with an earthquake and three days later he leaves Sheol with an earthquake. Matthew twenty-seven fifty-one and Matthew 28, 2. Jesus steps out of our three-dimensional realm and into the multi-dimensional realm of Sheol at that very second, when the temple curtain is rent in two, Jesus also rips the gates of the underworld wide open. He walks into the underworld not as a powerless victim, but as the eternal master of all realms. Remember, Jesus came to destroy the works of the devil, 1 John 3.8. Every demon cowers at his feet. He is there to reprimand the fallen watchers imprisoned in Tartarus. Even though they have and will continue to manipulate the population of the earth, they will not prevail. As Jesus rebukes the unrighteous angels, the souls of the human damned have been listening on as he preaches, and they weep that they have rejected the Lord. In another region of Sheol, the temporary confines of Abraham's bosom, the righteous saints of old come to realize that their Messiah has come on a rescue mission He will parade them out of Sheol. Jesus has come for them. Conclusion. The life, crucifixion, and resurrection of Jesus is God's preordained response to all of the rebellion woven into our spiritual history. Remember the early rebellions that I taught about in Genesis 3, 6, and 11. Our first rebellion occurred in the garden where sin cut us off from God. The second rebellion flooded the earth with genetic hybrids that nearly stole our human bloodlines and our planet. The third rebellion drafted the earth's population into a war with God. Jesus is the antidote to all three rebellions. Listen to how he reversed all three. So in Genesis 3, There's a reversal here. In the Garden of Eden, we went our own way and severed our perfect relationship with God. In the Garden of Gethsemane, Jesus chose to lay down his human will of self-preservation in order to complete the will of the Father. So Jesus has become our tree of life. He offers life to us by restoring us to the original purpose and image that we were made to bear. The Genesis 6 reversal. In Genesis 6, the fallen celestial beings procreated with human women to produce hybrid beings called Nephilim. These creatures nearly ruined our planet and our human genome. God reversed this evil through the virgin birth of Christ. Jesus was born of the Virgin Mary and conceived through the Holy Spirit, not sexual manipulation. He was 100% God and 100% human not a hybrid, not an unclean mixture like the Nephilim. And he came to save us from sin, not to abuse us and decimate our planet. The Genesis 11 Reversal In Genesis 11, Nimrod and the fallen beings that inhabited him rallied the earth's population into a rebellion against God, This is a picture of the future war that the Antichrist, along with his human celestial armies, will wage against God. Jesus reversed this in the wilderness temptation. There he refused to worship Satan and chose to remain faithful to the mission of reconciling us back to God through the cross. Jesus would not lead a war against God like Nimrod or the devil. He is saving us from being drafted into the future war against God, which will be led by the devil and the antichrist. I have a final statement here. The crucifixion is the greatest reversal of all history. Jesus is not a victim of the cross, but a victor over the cross. Like David, who used Goliath's own sword to execute the giant. So Jesus destroys the schemes of the underworld with their own weapon of torture, the cross. And this is why I am utterly confounded with so-called celebrity pastors and the shallow churches they produce. They are theologically weak and ignorant. They aim to reconfigure Jesus into some cliched motivational speaker or some effeminate cosmic life coach. He is king nothing less now i know that salvation comes through a relationship with god not through the perfection of theology or what we perceive as doctrinal purity yet we must ask ourselves do we know how deeply we've been saved do we know how many things we've been saved from you and i must mature in our understanding or we will languish as spiritual infants and to those who are apathetic about Jesus, or reject him altogether, I challenge you to rethink your position. Yes, we Christians are weird, we're annoying, we're hypocritical, and we are backstabbers, I know. But don't ignore Jesus because of our faults. Don't jeopardize your future because of our imperfections. Follow him, follow him now. Okay, we're back
1: um good job thank you round of applause thank you Christian. thank you uh yeah thank you thank you for your sermon thank you for your thoughts mm-hmm. your points what, what what were some of the things that popped out to you out of all of those because you kind of go through i mean you just gave me some highlights we were talking yeah we we're talking before it. this but yeah. what out of all that stuff like you're talking about how this kind of came to you, you really had not seen other people preach about it. it. wasn't someone that you saw this sermon. you kind of copied a little bit and remixed it, right right This is something that just was coming to you boom boom, boom boom, boom, and you're seeing all these different things what What are some of the things that really stuck to you when you were looking at this when you're doing your six weeks six weeks of research, <laughs> you know when I was doing my
0: mushrooms so that I could get <laughs> yeah. spiritual insight, yeah. I don't do that, you guys. They're great for your brain. They (laughs) make newer, new synapses. You will meet spiritual entities with mushrooms. Oh, honestly, okay. Uh, (laughs) You will. No, that's. Yeah. Is that where we want to go? No, no. we don't want to go there. No, that's (laughs) that's not what we're doing. Uh, (laughs) I think. Hold up! Take these mushrooms. We'll go there together. Okay. All right.
1: Tell me about what stood out to you while you were what? Okay. Things that you're like, man, this was really profound. Really grabbed me. Because you've read the Bible. We've talked about this 21, yeah. 24 times, something like that. You've read yeah. it multiple times in your lifetime. You read this story, and the thing about this story is it's in most of the Gospels, and it's different mm-hmm. versions of it. But you're reading this, and it's hitting you in a different way,
0: mm-hmm. right? Yeah. the I'm guessing, I'm assuming. The first thing that really, and, and people can disagree with this, but the place of Golgotha is called Golgotha because the phrase probably, okay, can't, prove this but it probably comes from goliath of gath which you know how words get melted down so was goliath a gath then it became golly gath then golgath golgatha it Mm. works through the years and uh there's an article from dr taylor marshall that talks about that um so it is And
1: david when he killed goliath is how many years before christ
0: thousand years okay so rounding it yeah uh yeah. So Take Jerusalem didn't.
1: America's <laughs> only around two hundred years, and we still are changing names. You know what I mean? Like yeah. as things are shifting. Right. So yeah. Thousand years.
0: So a thousand years before Jesus is crucified, the place that David probably took Goliath's skull okay. after he cut it off, bloody and everything, took Goliath's spirit. Oh no!
1: No, didn't he throw a stone at it? Well, yeah, know, yeah, 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 he did. That's what killed him.
0: Yeah. Well,
1: Not the fact that. You, remember Jake got in trouble for that. One of our yeah. younger, my younger brother got in trouble for explaining to the whole Sunday school class that. As a little kid, he did, As a yeah. little kid. No, he took the sword and cut his head off. They're like, no, 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 no. Don't say <laughs> that's that. That's too gruesome.
0: <laughs> Jake, as to Jake, and you're right. Yeah. David, ki- that's probably what killed Goliath is when he took his head off.
1: Yeah, severed um, it, right? Yeah. And that usually kills people. It does. <laughs> okay, so he cuts Goliath's head's right. head off thousand years before Christ mm-hmm. and goes to his hometown, Jerusalem and chills.
0: No, Jerusalem did not belong to uh-huh. Israel at that point. It belonged to the Jebusites okay. and which were a people group that were supposed to be ousted earlier, hmm. but okay. the Israelites didn't do their jobs so that there were left over, um, remnants of the giant clans that weren't completely squinched, squinched. <laughs> and so David took the skull, Okay, Uh, I don't want to get into too much. No, do it. Get into it. uh, Goliath is a military weapon. Yeah. He's a giant. He's a hybrid. And notice that the Philistines had five major cities, and there were five brothers. Goliath was one of five brothers. Mm. And David took five stones with him as if to go, well, I'm going to take down Goliath, and I'll take down the other four if they show up. Yeah. So the military commander, I don't know if he was the military commander, but he is the weapon of the Philistines, hmm. right? He's a leader. Yeah, they,
1: pull him out yeah. and they put him out in front
0: of him and said, yep. yeah,
1: take one-on-one combat. This is our main yeah. dude. Yeah. Like You can't beat him.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, David cut his head off, took it back to Jerusalem, which is interesting because that's not a Philistine town, but he took it back there, put Goliath's head on a stake. I'm imagining because I don't have... Biblical proof of this, except that it says that he took his head back to Jerusalem. That's it. That's all it says in the Bible. Yeah, yeah. But he probably put it on a spear, which a warrior would do. Put it on a spear. Put the head on a spear and go. I'm coming for you, hmm. city of Jerusalem, and he did. But years later, hmm.
1: but it was like marking his territory. Yep. Like this right <laughs> here on this hill. Yeah, I'm gonna let you know things are about to change. Yes.
0: Yeah, and he did take Jerusalem yeah. eventually, and it became his capital. And that same capital housed the the Jewish people. It was their capital is where the temple was built, and then their own messiah was killed outside of the gates of Jerusalem, probably where Goliath's head was chilling. Was chilling. Wow, and probably was buried there. So, again. I you know I can't prove all of that, but it just that was It makes that sense, was like, but that does just amazing, and and the, it makes sense because the fallen realm, you know, they're
1: they're they're into symbols and yeah. things like that. Like everything, yeah. yeah, I don't know. There's no coincidences, mm-hmm. you know. There's no lucky. Oh, that's just luck. That's coincidence. Right. Yeah, and
0: so they were killing thing. Jesus, who was the Son of God, because. Goliath was the son of the fallen realm. Hmm. And Jesus was the culmination of the Passover lamb. And that happened 1400 years before Jesus crucifixion the first Passover
1: hmm. in so, Jerusalem.
0: Not in Jerusalem but in uh as they exited e- uh, oh, Egypt. Oh yeah yeah yeah. So he's the symbol of the Passover lamb. So the Passover. Yeah. yeah. So, oh, no, no, yeah, so no. that's good. So that really stood out to me um and then Another huge thing is that there was an earthquake when Jesus gave up and he gave up his spirit. Yeah. It wasn't taken from him. Yeah. It was time. He said, It is time, it is finished. You know, he he, he dies and the earth shatters around him. Rocks are split. So there's an earthquake when he enters Sheol, and then and the other thing that stood out to me, and again, I didn't get this from anybody. Other people may have seen this as well, but the temple, the uh, the veil that that uh, housed in front of the holy of holies, which was a probably about a two thousand pound curtain, It was like three stories tall. It was huge. It was ripped from top to bottom. And I think that's when Jesus ripped open the uh, the, the underworld, mm. the gates of hell, and said, "I'm here. That Deal time. with me." Yeah, because <laughs> he's not a pansy. Jesus is not a pansy. He's yeah. gentle. He's loving. Yeah, but Christ you was. don't want to meet him in war. You don't want to be on the wrong side. Ah, uh, right. I love it. And we we're born into war. Yep. He's over there
1: just destroying. He's like the one lone guy who comes in and just yeah. sacrifices his life and. Then,
0: and he's in Sheol, yeah. He enters Sheol with an earthquake, and he when he exits it, and when he gets three wow. days later when he raises from the dead, earthquake. there's another earthquake. Wow. So something about the power of his being moving from our three-dimensional world into the to Sheol and yeah. then back out of Sheol. This was, earthquake. Wow. Something there's something hmm. about that. It's amazing. That's wild. Uh so that 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 just kind of freaked me out. And then then tying all of it back into uh, Genesis three and Genesis six and Genesis eleven. It all ties together, and then it's the you know the statement I made at the end that it's uh, the ultimate reversal that Jesus uses, like like David used the sword of Goliath to kill Goliath. Hmm. Jesus uses the cross to defeat the fallen realm. And yeah. here's the problem: is it, it, I, I we're we're in this kind of in between the. We are, we're in a war here on earth. In heaven, the saints are at rest. I was talking to Brian today about mm-hmm. that. There's It's called the church at war. I think it's, it's the church at war and the church victorious. Because there's two parts. There are saints that have gone before us that are victorious. They're, they're in the heavenly realms. Uh, they're at rest, you know. But then we're still here occupying and warring. We should be. Hmm. But a lot of churches aren't worrying. No, they're we're just, not doing it. Just yeah, we're saying okay, hello. How can I? Help <laughs> How can you? I compromise and be just like you, world? Yeah, yeah. that's Can't you can cut word that word? out. That's yeah. kind of mean. No, nah, it's <laughs> so real. I'm <laughs> so, not cutting it. I'm keeping it.
1: Um, I thought one of the cool things that when you're telling me, and I thought this was really sweet, is just like switch switching Jesus from a a victim to a, the one who chose it all. Like, he's like, this is happening on my time. I'm doing it now. Even though, like, the Pharisees and everyone are like, we're going to wait until there's not a million people here and it's not on our most important day of our most important life right mm-hmm. now. We'll wait until later. And Jesus is like, nah, pull the trigger, push the domino. I'm doing this now. He was in control, which is right. really, um, I just didn't, I don't get that all the time. You know, I don't yeah. think about that. To hear that was really cool. I was like, man, because you jazzed up. Yeah. He's He's a boss, you know he was a boss he is a boss he is a boss, <laughs> yeah <laughs> was is he died he's back I, yeah, so it was just that was cool um' I'm trying to think if there was other stuff other things that you you kind of said you wanted to hit maybe a little bit more on the last part of the sermon, oh my uh my final. Final thing, you just this was not something the you gave it. A, this was not something that you gave out in notes, but this was something that um, I don't know. You really felt passionate about, right?
0: Yeah, just that the cross is a is the great reversal of all history. Yeah, um, yeah. the The fallen realm thought they had won, and they had actually lost. They had actually checkmated themselves, mm. um, and. And then that's that's why I'm so disappointed with with so many churches that are they're just so weak and ignorant. They just don't, you know. You've heard me say this before. I've there are certain people on the radio that they're, they're, they're great, great men of God and men and women of God, but they're saying the same thing that I heard when I was 20 years old, and yeah. I'm 60. They're saying the same thing. It's like so so. Their curriculum hasn't changed.
1: You know what's changed? It's, I'll tell you what's changed. Culture's changed. When you yeah. were twenty, they were poor. When you're sixty, they're rich. <laughs> yeah, they are
0: multimillionaires now. Yeah, that's all that's changed. Uh, Sorry, but I mean these these are these are people that still are following the Lord, and you know, but but they're teaching the same. They're they have the same sermon. They're just spitting it out yeah. over and over and over. It's like, dude, grow up. What what? Speaking of,
1: you know, you just.
0: S- the a
1: sermon what how did you get to the point where you this stuff was starting to download was it just reading it and thinking about it or how did that all start happening well I think
0: um have I talked about this before maybe I don't know uh we were having a beer and boys meeting mm-hmm. three or four years ago and I was trying to go through church history and remember how I tell you I, mm-hmm. church history makes me angry because what I'm seeing is um I'm I, I think what I see in church history is a lot of good movements that start and then then it gets compromised and religion takes over mm-hmm. and ruins it. And so everybody a lot of people that don't like Christianity they don't like the religious stuff that's not really of God. Yeah. But anyway, so I was Yeah. studying church history to try remember how I was trying to melt it down into like a two-page yeah. like and and, and how do you melt down 2000 years of church history it's it's very hard to do um you're even going from like beginning of life to now
1: i mean you're given the whole history you're trying to get into
0: yeah i did the biblical history mm-hmm. like on a page and then church history mm-hmm. on, to just to try to get a big overview and and what i realize is is um all my life i've studied the little details but when i was getting a big overview i'm like oh i can oh i can see themes i can see things that are bigger and then, I as I just this one little prayer, I'm like, "God, there's some sort of spiritual history. I, I'm reading texts and stuff from historians about church history, and, and you know I was trying to filter through that and kind of make it into a two-page <laughs> report on church history, which is not easy to do. Uh, but I'm like, "Wait a minute, there's a spiritual history that I'm not getting. Hmm. There's something going on in the second and third heaven realm, and I'm only looking at." Text here H- history in our three dimension mm-hmm. church history you know this is what happened 1517 this is what happened in 14 right. whatever the facts right yeah. and god said oh okay and then he just started downloading all this st- and i started listening to other people too as at the same time so that was an answer to prayer mm-hmm. just yeah. feel stuff fire. that i was missing you know the the w- divine council worldview and a whole bunch of other stuff yeah
1: when when you were studying for this chapter, uh-huh. um, specifically, when you were just reading through and it, it just started kind of clicking, or how, how did this all start coming about?
0: Well, uh, yeah, that's a good question. I was I was like, okay, I, you know, this is my assignment, chapter 19, and I started reading through the text, and I was making little notes about each verse, and I'm like, okay, this is just going to be details about certain verses. And I'm like, no, there's got to be... Okay, well, what was happening? What did the fallen realm think they were up to? Hmm. And then I'm like, oh, so I need to I need to read the text, just make a few comments, and then I need to to say th- this is what's happening in his, you know, our three dimensional history, and then this is what's happening in the the spiritual realm, and evil an and good,
1: and that's then yeah. you start tugging on some of that stuff, right? Right, and then that's when those threads started unraveling, and I bet yeah. there's
0: more threads that you don't even know yet. Yeah. You know, but that was just what a couple of weeks of kind of tugging on that started to yeah. unravel. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. And 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 I think I was telling you I I I may not when when I was doing the sermon I was a little bit more somber. I don't know why that day, but I'm a lot more excited about it than what it seems like in in the sermon. But, oh, that was good. you know. So yeah. just so you know, I just I I I think, I think there the was,
1: key is you need two beers yeah, before you preach a sermon. That's
0: probably what I should have done. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I did two Bud I, Lights before <laughs> you start
1: your sermon. You should be solid. <laughs> that'll do it.
0: I uh, I, I, I did cool. hear some stuff, you know, like the speakers behind me. And I thought I was, I thought maybe the mic was right up too close, to, and so I I, I kind of let back off of my voice a little bit. And mm-hmm. there's times when I was, I'm I'm more passionate than what I sound like because I th- I think I was. Trying to be careful or something. I don't know. Yeah, but that's okay. It doesn't matter. It's all right. You know,
1: it's all good. Yeah, yeah. Next time, two months. <laughs> I'm <lights, you'll> be-
0: <laughs> joking. Man, if you if you ask me to fill in again, I'm gonna have to, I'm gonna have to have two months to work on it. Yeah, <laughs> two months, and we have to do communion beforehand. Yeah.
1: <laughs> cool. Yeah. Well, anything else you want to? I thought it was great. Thank you so much Thank for you. doing that. Really appreciate you. Yeah. And just the stuff you're unraveling. Appreciate you, man. Yeah, it's good yeah. stuff. Appreciate all our listeners. Shout out to everyone who keeps on reaching out. Yeah. Love you guys. Yeah. And Yeah. Shall we end it? Let's do it. All right, folks. Peace. Peace out.
0: There are tears sown among the wheat. There is no deception so well hidden in plain sight than the agenda of the troglodyte. They aim to erase human dominion of the earth and claim it for their own abuse.